you to turn with me to the second chapter of the book of Joel tonight. The second chapter of the book of Joel, I'm going to preach on the early and the latter rain. Here in the second chapter of the book of Joel, we read verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now, if you turn to the second chapter of the book of Acts, I'm going to read there verses 19 and 20. And I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. The apostle James wrote and said that we had need of patience while we wait on this early and the latter rain. Now, I believe that what I've got to say tonight is so important because I believe that we stand on the threshold of the final move of God that this world is going to see. But it will culminate in the coming of the Lord. And I believe it's absolutely necessary that you and I know what's taking place. There's a lot of things in the world tonight going under the guise of revival. People are calling it an awakening. There are things all over this country have been for the last decade that is being called an awakening. Many people think the nation is in a revival. It's not uncommon if you listen to the television religious talk shows <coughs> that they talk about 60 to 70 million born-again believers here in America. They, they are talking of a revival that's been going on for a long time. The modern Pentecostal, that is a neo-Pentecostal, which just simply means new in time, takes the spiritual significance of these rains spoken of in the Bible to mean that the first rain or early rain was the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2. Now, that's the position that we take as the traditional Pentecostal people, is that Acts 2 was spiritually the early reign of God upon the church. That's a latter reign that we look for, and the Bible said both of them will come in a month's time, will be for the harvesting of the earth. Now, the modern Pentecostal, uh, you and I, that is, not the Neo, as I said, but you and I, uh, believe that. Now, we believe the world has saw the early reign at Pentecost. But there are those now that believe that the world is presently passing through the fulfillment of the latter reign. That is what we are seeing now in a lot of religions spread everywhere, that this is the latter reign. It's presently believed that the charismatic, so-called, outpouring of today 
that has produced an amalgam of Neo-Pentecostalism and Romanism is a sovereign act of God reaching across denominational boundaries. This is a belief that's held, a hodgepodge that we see the mixture of a half a dozen different religions all coming under one banner, and that is namely that they're able to talk in tongues a little bit, and they are believing or saying that this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, and that we're crossing the boundaries of denominationalism. Now, to the modern Pentecostal or the neo-Pentecostal, the dark ages are past, and the charismatic powers are working through them. This is perhaps the most forward belief that you can find out there among this. But I want to pose a question tonight to all of us in this audience, and that is, is it possible that the basic principles mentioned here are correct, but the conclusion that we've arrived at is wrong? I want to ask that question honestly. There's no human being that has examined more painfully what's going on today in this preacher. Not very many people have been more involved or sought from the inside out any more than I have. I don't have to look a hundred yards behind me tonight to see a garbage can full of gimmicks that have come to naught because they wasn't of God. I've watched men as they've toyed with the mighty Holy Ghost of God. I've watched the games of religion. I've watched them call this the fulfillment of what the great prophet Joel was talking about. I believe the principles held by Pentecost that, that there was the early rain and that there is a latter rain and that there is a moving of God right now. But I believe it must be interpreted rightly if we're to survive these times. I believe after much painful, much painful examination of what's going on in the religious world and arriving at a point in my life that I seek only one thing, that is the will of God. I have no reason to be here tonight but to speak the truth. I'm not trying to get a $20 pledge out of you. I'm not trying to con you in any way, but I'm here under God. Not to talk about God, but to speak for God. And to say what I believe could be the most profound thing that could grip your heart and maybe the most important. In the view of the fact that both Joel and the Apostle Peter conclude the prophecy of the latter rain or the end of this age with a final phenomenal of judgment from God during the coming tribulation period. The premillennialists can see that he's come to something of that time in the fulfillment of prophecy. Not any of us in here that have studied the Bible that can't see that we've come to that time, to the door of it, by the fulfillment of prophecy, particularly in the manifestations in the heavens and on earth in Acts chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Now, I want to look back at biblical reigns tonight and to certain implications of those reigns. Now, I believe that God can help us to be an instrument of revival in this last time. I believe those that are hungering and thirsting after God have before them 
the greatest days that have ever been lived in the church. But there's certain implications about the early rain and the latter rain coming in due time that must be looked at and must be understood what that really means. In Genesis, we saw at the creation that which a former rain was indicated to be in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6, But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the face of the whole earth. That was the first early rain of the Bible. No clouds, just a mist coming up from the earth, according to the Word of God, that was watering the whole earth. Hundreds of years later, God sent another rain, typically in an entirely different manner and of great consequence, the flood. Both of them had to do with an outpouring of God. Both of them. Every rain in the Bible has something to do with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That flood came as every other outpouring of the Holy Ghost to destroy that which was not God. It came to do away with what wasn't God. That's 1,670 years, or 75 years according to some. There came the latter rain in the form of a flood. The former myth was a blessed refreshment rain at the beginning of creation. The latter was a powerful and destructive flood. The first was a gentle outpouring of seed time and harvest. And the second was a terrible destructive flood. The former was the beginning of an age, and the latter was the ending of that antediluvian age. One began it, and the latter ended it. Now, this is significant, because during the history of Israel, when they were obediently following God, he sent the former rain for the planting of their seed in the land. There came, before planting time, the rains came. That was the early rain coming for the planting. Also, according to the biblical pattern, he sent a latter rain for the ingathering. That is, the sickle and the judgment of harvest. This all typically set forth with Israel. Now, the day of Pentecost, according to the same pattern, was a time of recreating, regenerating, redeeming, planting, sowing, and initiating of the work of Christ in the gospel for the whole world. That's what Pentecost was. The church was born. The church was planted. It was a time of creation, regeneration, of seed time, of planting. It was the beginning of an age of grace. The Holy Spirit was poured out for the commencing of the age of grace. Now, in the end of the age, we're once more witnessing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, it's been misinterpreted. Folks have run off into their own hands with it. Man has played with it. But we're witnessing at this time an outpouring of the Spirit. I would, I wonder, I say to you, would it be wrong to suggest that this is not a time of awakening, nor is it a time of a national revival, as some have tried to tell us. I tell you, you just have to look about you. You have to just travel and look a little. And you'll know that it isn't a time of national revival. It's certainly a time 
of a lot of religion. But it has done nothing to the nation. In ten years we sunk to a place where the, the major magazines declare that one in ten in this nation is a homosexual. We're witnessing the judgment of God as it comes across this land. Uh, the lawlessness of our community, our schools, the marriage, the family, all of it is in trouble tonight. There is not a national awakening, no matter what men say. There is no national awakening taking place in what God is doing at this point in time with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I suggest to you that it's a time of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to prepare for biblical separation, restraint, and a cry against the apostasy in the light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Antichrist that's about to take over. It's an outpouring to wake up the real child of God as to what's going on. The deception that's about us tonight is exactly what Jesus said it would be. If it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. I, my Lord said that, and I've lived to see the fulfillment of that prophecy. I have saw the imitation so strong about this country. I saw the games that men play. Amen. And I'm going to tell you tonight that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is an outpouring of the Spirit to prepare for biblical separation and restraint on the part of the people of God and to open their eyes as to what's taking place in this world. This is a glorious time of Holy Ghost insight and discernment, but only in the Christian that is anchored in the Bible. Only in the Christian that's anchored in the Bible and who is not afraid to put and test every experience of life alongside the Word of God. It does not matter how beautiful that experience. It must pass the test of a Bible base. And those that are afraid to subject their experience to this Bible are wrong, dead wrong. That time has arrived. Instead of the latter rain indicating an outpouring of the seed planting and birth of the church as set forth in the book of Acts, it must be understood we're approaching the end of the age typically presented in James chapter 5 when he says that the husband is waiting for it and calls for great patience on the part of the believer. Now, if the early rain represented the seed time and the latter rain represented the harvest and sickle of judgment, then I can tell you that we can expect in these end times not only the glory of God, but the power of hell against us. We're not going to coast in on clouds of ease. If you make it, you're going to make it and hold on while the shaking's taking place. Everything that can be shaken, this book said is going to be shaken so that only those that cannot be shaken remain. And the only people that cannot be shaken are those people that are dead settled in a Bible base that reset their experience and their hope on the Word of God. Not some far off, the Lord told me something, but everything that God ever tells His preacher, if I say the Lord said to me, then you must test that by the Word of God. Instead of being days of acceptance 
of neo-Pentecostalism. It is exactly the opposite. It's a time of rejecting of that that would mix the hodgepodge of idolatry and talking in tongues. Not a time of acceptance, ladies and gentlemen. It's a time of rejecting of much of what's going on in Christianity today. It's a time that somebody stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord. I've watched religious rainbow chasing and angel chasing, and I've saw people destroyed as their faith failed in despair while they threw everything into something that really wasn't based in the Word of God. I read a man wrote, and he said, A cult can always be recognized by the fact that it has a false center. Connie gave me one of the finest books I ever read. Amen. And that man writing, he said, A cult can always be recognized that it has a false center. Amen. The whole deal may be on baptism. That's the wrong place for the sinner. The whole thing may be on talking in tongues. That's the wrong place for the sinner. There's a lot of spokes to this wheel. But the hub of that wheel is J-E-S-U-S. And you move it away from that. It's lost. I don't care whatever else. And it's a cult. No matter what they say. If it sets in some formula of baptism and says you're not saved till you go through their ritual, if it's hooked up with just some little form or some teaching that they may center it, all of it on sanctification, it's wrong and must be run from. Those things have a part and a place, but they only have it as they move out from dead sinner of God's darling son. There's nothing else that matters on this earth. Listen, the Holy Spirit is sending a revival of light to true saints. I believe with all of my heart that the latter rain, the outpouring that's taking place today is in its beginning and it is light to the true child of God. And out of that, amen, the Bible says in thy light we see light. And it is out of that that's going to come. I'm not believing. I'm not knowing that there's going to be great multitudes that turn to God. I can promise you that great multitudes of this earth are going to recognize that there's a power in that church that's not a man. They're going to say it's the devil or God one. They're going to be those that want to kill us. Not because of what we say, but because of what we are. And because of out of what we are, there comes things that they cannot explain. Oh, the scientist and the philosopher are always uneasy with God because they can't explain God. They'll tell you there's a lot of things we don't know, but they'll never tell you that there's things they cannot know. But I can tell you the highest form of knowledge on this earth is to know that there's some things I can never know. Yes, sir. Let me tell you. Holy Spirit... It's through the word revealing an apostasy, not an awakening. Yes, sir. You listen to me closely. It is revealing an apostasy and not an awakening. The Holy Spirit in the latter rain is helping true saints to see that there's been a rejection of the Bible. Amen. You listen to me? That there's been a rejection of the Bible. Oh, yes, sir. We, we have a Holy Ghost only movement. In this world tonight, 
Men are talking kind of ex-cathedral. Amen. They're, they're claiming themselves without actually saying it to be popes of some kind. And they're outside of the Bible base. And I believe the Holy Ghost is revealing as to what's going on this day, as to what's God and what's not God, and that a great part of what we're witnessing is an apostasy. Amen. And a rejection of the Bible base in what they call an awakening today. This is not the New Testament seed planting of the Christian faith in the world or in history. It's a New Testament pronouncement of the culmination of the Christian faith in history. Amen. This outpouring of the Holy Ghost isn't the planting of the church. That happened 2,000 years ago. It signifies the end of the age of grace. It signifies the end of the Christian faith in history. The church is about to get out of here. It's about to end. God is saying to us tonight, the Holy Spirit is revealing to the people of God the era of the non or the neo-ecumenism and not the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon and through that so-called neo-ecumenical thing. Amen. Listen, instead of the prophecies of Peter and Joel being fulfilled in today's so-called awakening, it is the Bible presupposition that God is separating from these heresies of people for the return of his Son. It is those that look for him that he's going to appear the second time without sin under salvation. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost today is dealing with your heart. Amen. Dealing with your heart. Last Sunday um, night, when that man of God brought that powerful message here. Amen. I was sick. Elma was sick. I talked to Brother Bridges, and he said how God had dealt with him for a long time about brokenness. How God had dealt. He came to the prayer meeting, and the church wasn't open. But he said, I had to go. Listen, God is saying, it's time to come apart to separate from the rottenness of religion and the world. To walk purely before God. Not be caught up just because of the great promises. In that book that that Connie gave me, this man saying one of the cultic practices is always promising something that they can never perform. Always promising. Amen. There's always some kind of a pie in the sky. I'm going to tell you, God works through holiness of life. God works through a people that walk with him. And God is calling upon those saints in this hour for a coming apart from those worldly influences. And that religious uh, thing that only is seeped in making God some kind of a Santa Claus. It is, it is great to be a Christian, I believe, in any age. But it's especially great to see these matters and be Christian we should be at this time. I don't think there's ever been a time there ought to be more encouragement to the true child of God than in the time in which we're living. At this point in history, it is not simply a matter of whether or not we're experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's more of a matter of recognizing through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit the purpose of this outpouring for you and I. Now, not all outpourings of the Holy Ghost are for the same thing. Can you say amen? I said, not all of them are for the same thing or the same purpose in the mind of God. They cannot be so. Some are for blessing. Some are for preparation. 
Some are wonderful times and some are very painful. When God deals with our spirits and we are brought under deep conviction and concern over the carelessness of our life, we are prone not to recognize that's as much as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as that which makes you jump the pew. So easy to recognize. When God is a blessing and you're being healed and everything's working good, that that's the outpouring of God. But when God screws that vice down and the light is on your soul and you're not looking at the man that's drunk but you're looking at your own prayerless heart, it's a different story then. Amen. It's easy to look at the person that doesn't dress like you think you ought to dress and goes where you don't think you ought to go and say that's a worldly person. But it's another thing for the Holy Ghost to get the hold of your heart and make you know that worldliness isn't just a matter of where you go and what you do, but it's what you're influenced by. If this world can, in, it can entice you to do things on your own when you ought to be working for God, then you worldly. That's a worse form of worldliness than the sinner because it involves the church of the living God. It involves the church. Listen, there's a great difference between believing we're witnessing an awakening and believing that we're witnessing an apostasy. I'm witnessing awakening. I believe you're witnessing awakening to the fact that what's happening. Listen, millions have been deceived and caught in the jaws of a false spirit in this hour. It's a marvelous thing to have come through the tide and to be able to look back at all that discarded business and say, thank God I never involved myself with it. Amen. The Lord helped me to see that it wasn't working, that it wasn't God. Amen. Looked like an illegitimate child at a family reunion. Amen. When we were traveling across this nation, Robert and I and Marge and uh, our two girls, Amen. We could have been the darling of that crew. They made all kinds of overtours. Amen. One man said to me, Brother Clendenin, I can get this crew of preachers to come in. He's moved from about 400 to running over 5,000 in that, in that church. He said, I can get these fellows to come and they'll put a lot of people in your church. I started him. I said, I wouldn't know what to do with them if you got them there. He said, why? Because I do not believe what they're preaching. I don't believe what they're saying. There's more to God than learning how to quote a scripture. Amen. I said, there's more to God. I watch them people. Amen. That say, all you got to do is say it's done, it's done. They themselves fly to England to get a gallbladder operation. They're under doctor's cares. Amen. If all you've got to do is say it's done, it's done. I'll tell you, brother, I wouldn't be up here trying to say heal somebody. I'd be up here quoting Beaumont to be saved tonight. If it's as easy as that, I'd have Beaumont on his knees before morning. No, what I'm saying to you is, there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And that outpouring is bringing an awakening to the child of God that a great part of what you're looking at is not an awakening, but an apostasy. It is, if it is an awakening, then the neo-ecumenical world is right. 
But if it is not an awakening, but an apostasy, apostasy, then the ones that they say, the neo-ecumenical world says wrong, are right. That's you and I. Amen. No matter what the current opinion might be, it is only those that are founded in the Bible that are going to be right. I don't care what kind of results you claim. There's only one thing that's right. That's the word of the living God. And what I believe must be based there, or it is wrong. I remember when everybody had oil on their hands. Everybody had oil on their hands. It got to be a sign that if you didn't have that oil, you weren't going to be in the rapture. One night a woman in, in the church, me and my wife had hauled her there. About the middle of the song service, she'd come running up, hollering, saying, look at it. I said, look at what? And she said, look at that oil running out of my hand. I said, you sit down over there and you be quiet. We don't believe that. Amen. We believe the Holy Ghost is that oil. We're not killing lambs around here anymore. Jesus died. Amen. We don't have oil to pour on people anymore. We anoint them with oil symbolically, but the Holy Ghost has come. I said, the Holy Ghost has come. Oh, we've taken her home that night. She never talked until we got to the house. And when she went to get out, she said, don't bother to get me no more because you are cursed. You have just rejected God's movement in this hour. I said, show me what it says out in the Bible. She said to me, I don't care what the Bible said. It happened to me. Well, I said, lad, I didn't have to worry about no curse went on. The pattern is consistent. The pattern is consistent. The farm in the latter rain had a special significance in creation. The farm in the latter rain had a special significance in Israel's bringing the Messiah. And the farm in the latter rain has a significance in the end time when Christ will return in judgment and then in peace. He'll return in judgment and then in peace. There's a vast difference in real Bible revivals and the modern so-called awake. Now you listen to me. There's a vital difference in real Bible revivals and what we see in today, what men are calling an awakening. The, the, the Wall Street Journal, it was in July, I think it was the August issue, but July 1900 and about 76 or 77, maybe 78, right in there, carried on its front page an article headline, A Nation in Revival and No Change. And that secular newspaper recalled backwards of revivals of the past under Finney, under Wesley, and under Mr. Moody and others, and said every revival that's ever come to the nation has had a restraining effect on the morals of this nation. There's never been a time when revival has come, real revival, said that newspaper, that the effect of that revival, everybody didn't get in it, but there became a cleaner air to breathe out there spiritually. The pollution was cleared up. The, 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 the bugs were driven from the streets by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But that newspaper said the present revival has had no such effect on this nation. I said, dear God, is it possible that a secular newspaper can know more about revival than the average preacher? And the answer had to be a painful yes. A painful yes. We equate revival only with crowds. We have, a, we have uh, become the victims of a cult of bigness. 
Amen. If it's big, it must be right. Amen. If it's big, it must be right. The Pope had five million people when he was in Mexico City. He never mentioned Jesus once. Jesus never got on the platform. His message to them was, you must be faithful to the church, to the Pope, and to Mary. And Jesus never got on the platform, according to Steve Smith and Brother Daniel Oss that were there to hear that message that day. Had five million people. That didn't make him right. Let me tell you something. Jesus wound up with 500 people to watch him go away. And only 120 of them obeyed him. Everybody's not going to heaven. It's only those that are right. And if our ideal is only to gather in without respect to the quality of life, we're going to be cursed of God. Be a Christian is more than joining the church. And there is a vast difference between Bible revivals and the modern awakening. The Bible doesn't promise the awakening that today's evangelist promise. Yes, sir. Doesn't promise that at all. Amen. It's too humanistic and worldly. It seeks aggrandizement of the creature. It's all centered in a human. Amen. I've never come to realize more how that a forceful preacher can force his thought into the mind of the innocent. He better be careful what he has to say. He better be careful what he has to say because of the possibility of instilling wrong. Most folks never bother. Jesus talked about some people that are wiser than other people because they searched the Scriptures to see whether these things be so. That meant some folks weren't wise enough to do that. And they were wide open for the deception of the Jim Joneses and everybody else. Amen. It's a terrible tragedy. The traffic from the church spoke off into the cults of this age. It is a terrible tragedy. Amen. To see young people that leave the church and find themselves in the Moonies or some other. The, 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 the uh, children of God or the way or other kind of cults. Simply because they weren't grounded in the word of God, they've listened to the high rolling evangelists that have promised them everything from Cadillacs to multi-million dollar homes. And when it didn't all come through, promised them that they're never going to have another problem, never going to have any more trouble, that if you just walk with God, everything's going to be good. And then when it all gets difficult, they turn to a cult that's trying to tell them the same thing. I can tell you everybody lives godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. There's going to be difficulties. Everybody isn't going to get rich. And everybody we pray for hasn't been healed at least up to this point. I don't understand all, but I'm just going to keep on praying. But I can tell you right now, that man that makes everything an absolute has become a fool some way or another. Amen. Because the thing doesn't always just work out. Like I planned it to work out. But I've had enough sense to know that it works out according to the plan of the Almighty. Amen. Satan may detour me, but Satan never detours God Almighty. Amen. And the, and the revival that's promised in this Bible doesn't take on what it looks like. Paul agrees with James, but first there must come a falling away. First there must come that apostasy. And running through our age right now, brothers and sisters, there's both an apostasy and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
Peter said in the last days saith God I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and Paul said the end would not come except there come an apostasy first they're both moving through time like two giant freeways and if you don't understand what the Bible says about it and you judge only by what you see, you're going to be deceived because the smart boys of religion have learned how to imitate it. Learned how. Amen. John in the book of Revelation reveals the Holy Spirit speaking to the declining church. Amen. He, he reveals the Holy Ghost talking. The seven churches are being admonished continually. They are falling away. From Ephesus bounded, from Ephesus to Laodicea, you see the graduation, the fall. First, the loss of a first love. Loss of that real love for Christ. And he said, if you don't regain it, I'm going to remove my presence. First, there is that loss of the first love. And then you find him on the outside of his own church knocking on the individual heart. Amen. Seven churches. And the message was, you are falling away. You are losing it. Amen. You're on a downward path. They said we are wealthy, rich, increased, have need of nothing. But the Holy Ghost said you are miserable, you're wretched, you're blind, you're poverty stricken. You esteem yourself highly, but you're totally without influence. That's what he was saying. Amen. You're disturbing nothing that's ungodly. Amen. I read and I repeated a hundred times so far that the sorriest state of affairs today is that the world can't find anything in us to persecute us for. I'm so much like them that they've took us in. It's the most popular thing in the world to belong to the church. It's the end thing. Amen. It's the end thing. It used to cost men their lives. Amen. You couldn't sit among a society of believers without being cursed by those on the outside. Stoned, hated. Amen. Oh, listen. The Christ walked in the midst of those churches is put out. There he is entreating the individual of the church. The apostasy is present there. The institutional church is lukewarm. Amen, lukewarm. And what was the call of the Spirit in that awful time? What was the call of the Spirit? I remind you that every student of the Bible I read what Dr. Hodge had to say on the Revelation. I've heard what Dr. Bowen read on it. I've read where Larkin, his writings on the Revelation. Every man of God that's made a deep study of, of this blessed book in the seven churches of the book of Revelation have said and been taught by the Holy Spirit that those churches represented the entire church age. Have you ever read that? That they represented the whole church age. They were seven churches in Asia. They were real churches. I've been to where part of them were. They were there. But they, in their spiritual content, represented the church, the Laodicean church, being the final, the final. That vain church that thought it had everything when it had nothing. If that isn't the day we've got more money, amen, we got more money and we know what to do with. Amen. Pat Robertson said, we can't do anything without money. If the church had a billion dollars, it could reach the world. I'm going to tell you, the preachers that reach their world have no silver and gold. They have no television. They have no radio. But they have God. You could have ten billion dollars and you'll never touch this world. 
until we come back to what it's all about. Seven churches that represented the entire church age. That age began with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when you come, when you come to the end of this age, brother, in the, in John there, when he represents Egypt, come to Laodicea. What is the cry of the Holy Spirit? What have I said to you that the Bible outpouring of our day is a call and appeal for an awakening of saints to return to separate the restraint of our life and the Holy Ghost cry in the end of that age is give me gold that's been tried in the fire and garments that are white. Laodicea is the end of it. And I'm telling you the latter rain is being outpoured right now. And the cry of that Holy Spirit to every heart in this building tonight is, I want you. I want gold. You know what gold is? That's God. Amen. That's holiness. That's righteousness. That's God in His people. And the cry of the Holy Spirit to the last moments of history was, Give me gold that's tried in the fire. I want garments that are white. I want holy people. He not, he not asking me to devise up some kind of a scheme that can trap people into a religious system. He never asked any human on this earth to draw him a blueprint. He never said to me, I wish you would find and devise some way to evangelize the world. He's already devised that. It said those preachers pointed out seven men full of the Holy Ghost and said, you keep this yard mode, you keep those widows happy, that I may give myself to prayer and the Word of God. They did that and the Bible said that the word of God increased and the disciples multiplied I believe it will still work I believe that he don't need a plan the cry and the call of that latter rain is give me gold try it in that fire I'm calling you he says to restraint to separation I'm opening your eyes that a big part of the religion of your time is apostasy. Amen. That has left the Bible base. God never told any human being on this earth to find him a cure for cancer. Calvary was the answer to everything. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. I said Calvary was the answer to everything. I don't care what men say, how big they are. God has never said to anybody, find me a way to save men or find me a cure for anything. He gave us Jesus. And on that cross, He died. He was justified in His resurrection. And God said to Him, this is my Son. In Him I'm well pleased. Everything I want is in Him. Listen to it. John says, the call of the Spirit is a need for tried gold, separation. And I say, so this final church can see. Anoint in those eyes with the eyes that they can see what's taking place. Not be took in just because it's glamorous. You know, we're, we're in the age. We invented in this country, but every country on earth is taking up image advertising. This is, this is, you know, this is the, this is a big thing today. Image advertising. That's the reason you see a car setting off out on a beautiful green mega 
All the tracks are wiped away. Amen. That beautiful automobile sitting out there in that beautiful green pasture and a naked woman standing by. Amen. Image advertising. You see them advertising scotch. You got a fine looking young man sitting in an office behind him. His leather bound books. He's got a high backed leather furniture. And he's sitting there, and the whole thing has to do to tell you that if you drink scotch, you can have that office. Amen. You see, you can't sell Geritol. You never saw anybody sell a bottle of Geritol by just throwing a bottle of Geritol out there and pointing the camera at it and say, you ought to take this. No, they got some woman that can throw a bale of hay 25 feet. Amen. Looks like she's 50, 50 years old. Looks like she's 25. And she says, I'll take Geritol. Let me tell you something. Most religion never lets Jesus get on the platform because he can't sell. I said, he don't sell, mister. He's grotesque to this generation. Oh, no. They get a bunch of young people up there with a tuxedo on and their choreography, uh, you know, is perfected. And they're saying, if you get Jesus, you can sing up here and dance like this and you can wear these kind of clothes. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, that's the only attraction of the real church of God is the cross of Christ. In the gold, he said, tried in the fire. We put him between deodorant ads. We tried to sell him. He don't sell, brother. No, no, he don't sell. He's grotesque in the finest meaning. He means sensational, startling, different, everything. But this is mine. You can't take him. So you have to image advertise. He rarely gets on the program. I'm going to tell you this. The attraction in the gold tried in that fire. And I said, remind that huge child of God that he can see what's taking place in his world. That he can see what's taking place in his world. It's later. Oh God, it's later than you and I think tonight. Listen here. Amen. The call of the Spirit come out from among them. Only on these grounds where real Bible revival come. Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. Amen. And it's only on those grounds will a real Bible revival come. I believe in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, what has been will be history has proven this to be true by the continual repeat. It's lost on the minds, but it's there. It's there. There will be a repeat of Pentecost in the form of the early and the latter rain. It will not be the beginning, but it will be the outpouring of God's Spirit to awaken the child of God mixed with the latter rain, the harvest and the sickle judgment. Yes, sir, I can tell you, there's pressure coming to the child of God. Believe it or not, believe it. Amen. I believe the rapture could take place tonight. I don't believe it's an escape hatch running from the devil. I'll only be removed when God's wrath is poured out. Whenever that takes place. I can tell you now, pressures of a lost world is going to be focused on those 
didn't buy the religious package sold in our time. Early in the latter rain, the refreshing of the Lord and the sickle and the judgment of harvest. Oh, yes. It's coming. And you and I, if we can be shaken, we're already out. And if we're not based right, hell will shake us. Finally and lastly, the only thing that will remain be, will be that which cannot shake. Hallelujah. I want you to stand.